a priest married for 50 years? No need for a visit to a confessional. Father Mike Melanson is one special case. After breast cancer claimed the life of his wife, Melanson braved the grief that followed before a visit to his church changed his life. While weeping and praying, he heard a voice say, show me love. After exploring what that might mean, he concluded that it meant to display God's love through the Eucharist, which only a priest could do. That led to an intensive time of study and dedication. In his 70s, he was ordained and now serves as a parish priest near Albany, New York. His adult children and he have a joke about his new title, Father Dad. In this two-part podcast, senior editor Robert J. LaCosta discusses the ups and downs of widowhood, the process of ordination, and the unique position he carries as the oldest active parish priest in his diocese. He understands military service, marriage, children, grandchildren, career pressures, and understands widowhood, and all of that helps him in his role as a priest. So get ready for a remarkable conversation with part one of a part two series right here on The Age Sage. Well, thank you and welcome to another podcast of The Age Sage. Today, we're talking with Father Mike Melanson, and we are in upstate New York along the Hudson River in a historic home, but I want to tell you that history is being written right now, and I want to bring to you Father Mike, who is a Roman Catholic um, parish priest here in Athens and Catskill, New York, which is south of the capital city of Albany, New York, which is about a couple hours north of Manhattan. For those that are, you, you are listening from abroad or around the country. So welcome, Father Mike. Thank you, Bob. It's indeed a pleasure. Yeah, I can't believe we're getting together like this. This is like one of my greatest privileges is to interview seniors who are doing really amazing things in their senior years. And you have a little bit of backstory. I'm I'm wondering if we shouldn't just get right into it. So not everybody is used to uh, as a parishioner talking to a father uh, who was a father. So why don't you tell us a little it's, bit about it? That's a unique thing. I'll, I'll just jump to the chase. That I am, have formerly been married for 50 years, and when I felt the call to the priesthood once my wife passed away, my children were talking to me and saying, are we going to have to call your father dad now? So, that's, that's a bad joke. That's a bad joke, yeah. <laughs> like, father, father, just father say dad. dad. Just, yeah. so, of course. So every once in a while, they'll pull that <laughs> stunt exactly on right. you. Okay, so your kids are how old? Yeah, well, let me just start from the beginning. Um, I met my uh, beautiful woman uh, named Peggy back in our junior year of high school in wow. 1962 at the greatest high school in upstate New York, Mount Pleasant High School, class of 63. And I asked her to the junior prom. She had already had a date, but my buddy was working out with uh, weights and everything. He looked like Arnold Schwarzenegger. And uh, he went up to the guy, made him an offer he couldn't refuse, and she didn't have a date, so I just moved right in and asked her, and <laughs> this is all the truth. I, uh, I, I asked her for the junior prom. We dated throughout our junior year of high school and our senior year of high school. She went to college for four years to become a school teacher, and I did not at that time. I went into the Air Force, and I served six years in the Air Force during, during the Vietnam era. And uh, when everything was all settled and done, we got married. Um, Four or five years later, we started our family, and I have uh, four great boys, 
Uh, David is our first. He's 51. My second is Brian, and he is uh, 49 years old. And my youngest is Scott. He's 47. Um, And they've given me four of the greatest grandchildren God has ever created. And it's the old adage about grandchildren. You know, if I knew they were going to be so much fun, I would have had them first. Well, that is absolutely the correct thing. Uh, My wife and I used to love to spoil them rotten and uh, just go home that night and have a great day. So Yeah. And then um, I did that. I had 50 years of beautiful marriage just to phenomenal marriage when when people have been in the senior field for 40 years i see a lot of this and um i can't imagine what it's like to lose a partner of a half century with all the emotions connected to every piece of that life whether it's uh, you know home life professional life parenting grandparenting uh parishes church family um community job and then um, you find yourself alone and you have to say, thank you, God, for 50 years. You really do. Because if you don't thank God for what you had, uh, the, the future would be bleak. Immediately after that happened, I presume it was not a sudden thing with your wife. That is correct. Uh, no, we, um, we were big, big vacationers. And we both had retired um, well, about 10 years before she actually passed it. We used to love to circumnavigate the country in various places we would go. So we would pack up everything, including the kitchen sink sometimes, in the back of our station wagon in mm-hmm. those days, uh, SUV. And uh, we were heading down to um, Florida for six, seven weeks. And my wife had developed a cough that just didn't seem to want to go away. So <clears throat> we made an appointment with a doctor in Troy. And uh, we were going to stop and just have it checked out on our way down. And the doctor took x-rays and checked everything, and he wasn't happy with what he saw. That eventually would lead us to the recognition that she had developed breast cancer. So I just want to take 10 seconds here to any woman who may be listening to this podcast to never take no for an answer. Always check yourself every single day because our scientists and our doctors are so close to using the same technology as COVID and greater. They're going to prevent this, and I hope within my grandchildren's lifetime. But that developed into breast cancer. Uh, She had a, uh, over the next six months, would have a mastectomy. And the things got better uh, for about the next three to three and a half years. And then it came back in a fury, hit the other side, the other breast, she had that removed also. And But after that, it transferred into her liver, which eventually took her life. Uh, it was a very painful exit. But she went back to our original home that we uh, I still own in Glenville. And we had the hospice come in and set up things there. And, and then uh, I held her in my arms and kissed her goodbye. Yeah. 50 beautiful years. You made it to 50, and that's uh, something a lot of people just never, ever will see. And in the age of um, divorce and separation, a lot of people don't see 25 or 30. Never even a thought, you know. You know so no, you're... I did have to sleep on the couch once or twice. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, us guys always call the wife boss, and there's a reason for it. <laughs> um, Father Mike, after that, you were not new to the responsibilities of the diaconate. So after 20-something years of that, knowing your way around parishes, knowing some of the pastors and, you know, uh, the flocks, you had a little time to think. Uh, what transpired after your wife's passing? Well, that, that's a, a great thing, a great question. Um, I really wanted to die with her. Uh, I don't have the skill set that she had. She took care of the inside of the house. I took care of the outside, you know, the lawn and swing pool and car and all that. But, so I'm not a cook. She was a great cook and baker, but you can't tell by the bully on my, <laughs> on my waist. So I had lost all that ability. 
um, lost a lot of money and uh, the way we ran our finances. I wanted to go with her. There was no no reason for me to continue living. And being a permanent deacon for 26 years, you're right, I got to know many, many priests. Uh, Bishop Howard Hubbard ordained me to the diaconate, and I was his master of ceremonies for many, many, many uh, different opportunities. Um, but at this point in time, I was in deep depression, and my children noticed it. And they, I said, Dad, we have to get you to a doctor. And so the, the best thing that could have ever happened was going to see a, a medical doctor about my depression. He recognized it, um, and he put me on a very low dosage of medication, which absolutely worked phenomenal. I mean, it didn't send me into la-la land or anything like that, but it did remove that high anxiety of depression. And during that time, I was over at church one day alone. Could I interrupt you, Father Mike? Yeah. Uh, the, the depression, as you know, comes in many, many, many forms. Many flavors, correct, yeah. Your, your depression was kind of a list listlessness like like i just don't want to go on Correct. was it physical energy lack of physical energy um mental cloud could you just I, describe it a little bit i think it's like all the above at that point in time that i remember and i try not to remember but uh yeah there was no reason for me to want to do anything i didn't want to do my ministry i didn't want to worship god i didn't want to do anything it wasn't an anger it was just give up complete yeah null i reached a null point mm. the empty set and just so you know, I went through that one time in a, in a low point in my life. It, yeah. it felt like, um, what they describe after an, a traffic accident, you're just oh. a little bit in shock. Sure. So, so your feelings aren't necessarily bouncing all over the place. You're more like, right. Like I, I, I was doing a lot of crying, you know, it wasn't blaming. I couldn't blame anything or anyone. You blame the disease, but that, that doesn't help. You know, I, I wanted to point my finger and, and I, didn't have a finger to point. And after the medication, it, you know, you're 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 one of those fortunate uh, because I see a lot of seniors, and their kids are fifteen hundred miles away, three thousand miles away, sometimes nine thousand miles away. Your kids were around; they recognized the depression. You went to a doctor. You 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 kind of followed the advice, which is is humbling. You know, you're you're used to being a dad, and now you're kind of following the advice of your kids. There's a little role reversal going on there. Dad, go see a doctor. You get right. the doctor. You get the medication things start looking up for you or you start searching spiritually? That that was the beginning of many, many blessings that were going to come my way that I couldn't possibly have dreamt. Blessings. Build us up from that ground. My oldest son was an EMT and his wife is a a nurse. So they recognized that and got me going on the medication side. Medication was a low dose. I mean, like I said, it was just enough to take the edge off was all I needed at that time. But um, it was, it was a beginning of the blessings and the, I was at a church this time, just alone, and crying my eyes out, God, what do you want me to do? Now, this sounds strange, and uh, it was as strange as it sounds, but I heard an angel, the voice of God. I don't even know to this day, but the direction was to show my people how much I love them. Just those simple words. Show my people how much I love them. If that's not the voice of God, I I really don't know what is. And, you know, when when you feel that and hear that, and I was alone, uh, so I couldn't verify that. Um, I begin to wonder, all right, Lord, I'm the type of guy that needs a billboard. I don't need just a sign. I need a billboard, you know. <laughs> Tell me, what are you talking about? So, I think and, I, that's, that's, that falls yeah. under the category what I call a fair prayer. Yes, indeed it was. Yeah. Show me a billboard. That's a fair yes. prayer. Right. And he didn't literally, but yeah. The uh, being a permanent deacon, now I'm released from the um, 
um, the avenue of being married, and I'm, I could hardly say the word widowed. I didn't even know what that word meant. I had to look it up. What does it mean? Cause I was, and still, it's at this, the press of state that uh, I wasn't thinking straight. But I, I felt that something is going to happen. Lord, what are you telling me you want me to do? How do I show people how much you love them? Well, you show them in the Eucharist. It's the mm. only way you can show them in this true presence of Christ in the Eucharist. And I'm thinking, well, I can't do that. I'm married, you know. And, and the, the prayer answered, no, you, your wife is with me in paradise. Well, now I knew that because in the Catholic faith, I had her anointed before she passed, and she was just an angel. There's, there's no doubt about it. She never sinned uh, in my mind. Um, and I was feeling that, gee, Maybe it is something that I need to pursue. And from that moment on to my moment of my ordination, which was going to be close to two years later, um, there wasn't a single roadblock, I call them roadblocks, or obstacle in my way preventing me from going through the program. The first thing I had to do was to go through the leader of the deacons, and I talked to that person. He says, well, you remember, a deacon reports directly to his bishop. So I went over to talk to Bishop Scharfenberger, and I says, you know, Bishop, I think this is one-on-one. I think I'm feeling the calling to go into the priesthood. Well, he jumped across his desk and wanted to hug me. He was so excited about it. He talked to his uh, secretary immediately. He says, oh, make an appointment with the vicar for uh, vocations. And I went, we got a hot one. <laughs> exactly, precisely. <laughs> yes. And I had an appointment, and I, mean, I didn't even anticipate this. And that started things going there. Um, one of the mandates is that you wait at least 12 months after a serious problem has happened in your life, whether you lost a loved one, whether you were in an accident, or something major. Oh, I never knew they, that. They want you to wait 12 months. A lot of wisdom. A lot of wisdom, and I completely supported that. I had already accomplished my master's degree in theology, so I had that. That was a big bonus already done behind me. And, uh, they, but I was able to take courses during that 12 months to in, in, increase that in part of the priest program. Yeah, so it fast-tracked you a little bit. Fast-tracked me exactly a lot, yeah. Mm-hmm. So after the year is up, um, then they scheduled the um, ordination to be the following May, so that's about like 18 months or so after my mm-hmm. wife passed away. I was ordained to the priesthood. That's that. That is a fast track. Yeah, but a master's. That, of course, that that that, that was that's the, that was the eighty key. ninety percent of the work. Yeah, that know. that was the key. Yeah. So you you go from being that um, terrible word widowed yeah. to being a priest. It's almost like a a transference of identity. I it, can hardly you, believe it myself. I really. It's just an. I would I couldn't have dreamt something like this. I mean, I, you know, little boy, I wanted to be Superman. I could always jump off a step and think I'm flying in the air. This I couldn't even possibly imagine. This was not in the this, radar. This, this is farther Absolutely. out than becoming Mickey Mantle, Correct. S- Clark Kent, and uh, Correct. Michael Jordan in the same. It's oh, even w- wilder oh. and higher and better. That would have been easy to accomplish at 72 years old. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but, how many? Uh, how many? People go into the priesthood in their eighth decade. I don't know about any. I believe today uh, I am the oldest active priest in the Albany Diocese. There are many retired priests, but I'm currently active. I have two churches here in Athens and Catskill. And the, and, and the uh, church does not have mandatory retirement age? They do if you are a pastor. So I don't have that title or privilege as a pastor. I'm known as a parochial vicar. 
and they keep me that way because I can stay active. Okay. Works for me. Yeah. I've sure. had my times of being management, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm loving, I, I absolutely well, love. A, pa- a pastor this. is just a word for a shepherd. So you're, you're a shepherd. <laughs> we, 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 we can scoot around that uh, age requirement there. So I can, uh, I can put in for a raise then? Yep. And I mean, you know, you're out in the, the flock and, you know, in the middle of the night, like St. Patrick was when he was kidnapped and it's raining. You, you deserve a raise. We're around St. Patrick's Day. Um, what does St. Pat mean to you? Oh, well, it's the uh, patron saint of the two churches I have responsibility for, St. Patrick's in Athens and St. Patrick's in Catskill. Outside of that, um, my grandmother on my father's side was a Georgiana Murphy, about as Irish as a day is long. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the only aspect of Irish that I have. Yeah. I grew up on my Italian side, so I'm more yeah. Italian from my mother's side. But um, St. Patrick. Um, I don't know a great deal about the man, tell you the truth. Yeah, well, we have a big life size statue in, in our church. So, but he's he's one of my heroes. Okay. Um, and the reason is is uh, for our listeners who and I direct this often our podcast. Uh, it's called the Age Sage. We talk to seniors, but I direct a lot of my comments and style so that young listeners who make up the majority of podcast listeners can learn from someone like yourself and Saint Pat was a young man when he was kidnapped, 16 years old, and uh, brought to Ireland. And that young, young people, especially if you're living in a kind of really industrialized country or what people call first world countries, um, they, they really have a hard time understanding what St. Pat went through as a teenager. But as a teenager, he was not exactly following the Lord. And um, he was kidnapped and <clears throat> actually directly quoted as saying, you know, hey, we we weren't taking the Lord seriously, and this bad thing happened to me as a result of that, or at least was part of the path that would bring me back to God. And that's exactly what happened. He became a shepherd under some kind of cruel people. He prayed throughout the night in wind and sleet, and it sounds uh, kind of romantic, but it doesn't sound romantic to me because I hate the chilly weather, and I can imagine what it's like being up on a windy hill in Ireland. Uh, and, I took a tour of Ireland, and you're right, uh, 50 shades of green, but it's... Yeah, but he was out there, and obviously he was strong enough because he was a young kid, but he makes his way back. He has a vision, gets back on the boat, goes back to his parents' house, and but then he's called back to Ireland. Uh, where there's a lot of paganism. And just young people today, if you're living in uh, Boston or Dallas or L.A. or San Francisco or New York City or wherever you are out in the country, you you can't imagine, uh, you know, what it's like to be called back into something that was not a good experience. And that that's our St. Pat. And and now of course we've green beer and some shamrocks, but we just don't we just don't understand what a heck of a fella he was. He, I mean, to go back into the the druids and all that stuff, it, it was not exactly safe. And um, it, it just reminds me that your calling, um, and here you are at St. Patrick's, of course, uh, your calling is uh, sometimes a circuitous uh, route. And if a young person's listening today and they either hear the voice of God or they sense a direction, or even if you're a young person, you're not following God, but you have a sense about something that seems a little different, they might be able to take a lesson from you. I was coming into a lot of people who weren't sure that um, I had waited enough time for the passing of my wife to get into this. And I said earlier that I didn't have any roadblocks that came up in front of me, which were true, but there were some... 
Discouragements uh, or discouragements, or right? But I little I, counsel that hey, yeah, hey, hey are you, you sure? You might be, yeah, exactly. You, know? you might be rushing. I mean, you, you were married, you know. You got children and grandchildren, and now you got this whole new life of widow. Um, are you sure you could? You know, and I was absolutely, and I mean to the word absolute, sure. I, I just knew it. I don't know how you can express that, but I just knew it to be right. But you had a, a few years behind you. How old are you at this point when I'm you hear uh, love my people? No, when you when you uh, heard that word. I was 72 years old. At that point? Yeah. Okay. And at 72, you know, we could be talking to somebody who's 22. 22, yeah. They might not have the same background with God oh, or I uh, confidence. I can't see how they can. They're just not old enough yet. Right. Even, so what... What might a young person sense that where they almost like a confirmation where nope. they could nope. say, yeah, maybe I should take that job in the other city, or maybe I should move back with my parents because they're getting a little older, or you know, just, there's just a couple of things. And one, first of all, I'll now you can put now you can put your pastor hat on. Yeah, exactly. You're, okay, it, it's prayer. Absolutely, has to be rooted in prayer. But before that, though. We understand totally who Jesus Christ is in our faith. You know, He is the Son of the living God. He is true. Everything about him that's been written in the scriptures is true. It's all written down. It's all provable. And that is that there also is an evil one in this world, and God allows the devil to exist. His job is to take you away from that. So that will never go away. So you're saying uh, there is if, an evil force. If, so if you're wrestling with some sort of decision, a career, education, right. marriage, whatever it is, which way to there, go the spectrum? There, yeah. there could be two things battling at the exact same time. That is right. As a, as, a, as a priest, as a, as a priest, how do you make your way through that pilgrim's progress? That's a great question because usually the louder voice is the Satan voice, the devilish voice. He's the one that you hear the loudest, and God's voice is the gentle, soft loving voice. You know, remember scripture and then 1 John 4, it's God is love. If you hang on to those three little words and everything that's not love is not from God because God is the pure definition of the word love. And I got that into me and it was just rooted deep in me. And the more I prayed about that, now here comes part one, if you will. Mm-hmm. You have to get the relationship with God in prayer. However it is, prayer isn't just using rote prayers we learn as children, which are wonderful, the rosary and so forth. But it's a conversation with God. Talk to God as you would talk to anybody, but develop a listening skill. If I talk to you, Bob, right now, you talk back to me. If we're talking on top of each other, we're not going to pay attention to what we're saying. So you have to develop a listening to God, and his voice is usually the soft, gentle, and beautiful voice. Now, let me just interject. You know, for a 22-year-old, 32-year-old, they've grown up with social media. How, how do they listen? How do they develop a listening skill? It, it, the social media is all about talking over each other. And it's correct, and it's very dangerous. So what they need is some form of a mentor, and here enters in Father Mike. <laughs> I've been there. I've done that. I've got the experience that not many other people have, even elderly priests who have been a priest for a long time. I know what it's like to lose a close one. I mean, in the wedding vow, the two should become one. And when my wife died, half of my whole existence, my soul, was torn in half. I know what that feels like. I lost my parents when there's, in the year 2000, six months apart from each other, so that was very difficult. I uh, watched that how, how, how old were you when they passed? I was, let's see, uh, 65, uh, 55, 55 years old, yeah. I had to do a quick math. 
never was good in mathematics, sorry. <laughs> and then with the experience that I had, that know what it's like to raise children, boys, know what it's like to have a wife and have mortgages and, and all of the problems of life today. That experience, uh, I wanted to be able to give out to anyone else who not necessarily had to go through what I went through, but to be experiencing that and their calling. God calls everyone to something because nothing is impossible for God. Nothing, no things, nothing is impossible for God. So whoever you're being, whatever you're being called to do, we have to listen to what God wants us to do and follow. And that calls into conversation with God or AKA prayer. And I got that and I learned how to do this. I learned how to develop my prayer life. I went to people to assist me. My pastor was a tremendous help who I just lost Last year, he was a dear friend of mine. He had a sudden heart attack and died. Father Jim Grass, his soul rest in peace in heaven. Um, and, and it was a, a really good thing, uh, the inspiration of that. And I have a, a lot of uh, help uh, from all my brothers in the priesthood and in the diaconate um, to help me get through a lot that I went through. Well, you know, um, developing this, uh, it, it, it just feels like the Pilgrim's Progress. It feels like you're trying to make a decision. Again, if we get back to young people or old people, I mean, we at every stage in life, there are decisions that are just so critical, and you're trying to wrestle. And you're saying there's kind of two parts to the two, two steps maybe, uh, where the first one might be develop just a relationship with God. Correct. The second is develop a listening relationship with God. Correct. And the third might be, that that the enemy's voice is going to be loud. There's going to be, you know, in the yeah. hearing impairment, which is my field, the number one complaint we have is background noise. Mm-hmm. So in the spiritual realm, especially young people uh, in social media, they're just they just grow up with it. This is not a slam at younger generations. It's just what they've been exposed to. <clears throat> There's a lot of background noise in their life. Uh, they're they're sitting at a desk and. Instagram comes in and teases them, Facebook or, or Snapchat or Twitter or whatever, and all of a sudden they want to enter into a conversation. And two seconds earlier, they could have been in, possibly in communion with God. Well, you can't be out of communion with God because God is all around in everything. We choose to either elect to accept it and be part or not. That's our, our free will choice. I remember in grad school, we studied about free will. It's either the greatest curse or the greatest gift God has given us. I think it's one of the greatest gifts God has ever given us. I agree. The ability to choose on our own. And that is a very high, high responsibility to take this gift and use it in the way God wants us designed to do it. It's 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 almost like a parent has this one gift in the house, hmm. and they go up to the top stairs and mm-hmm. bring it down, and they say, this is for you. Yeah, and, and, and to, to me, free will is like this great um, mirror of God. Yeah. I, I'm giving you the choice to be like me. That's right. Precisely but, correct. But I'm not making you. That's the I, biggest I, I think, issue. I think that's a great gift. Absolutely correct. That's right. Free will is free choice also. And we have to know which way is right, which way is wrong. That's just the way uh, life exists. 
And thank you for joining us right here on The Age Sage for part one of a part two series with guest Father Mike Melanson. Be sure to check out part two of this interview and check out all the other interviews as well on any major podcast platform. It's The Age Sage with Robert J. LaCosta.